It's good to be back with you. This is Dr. Peter Melanowski, clinical psychologist and IFS therapist. We are continuing our discussion of Richard Schwartz and Martha Sweezy's 2020 book, Internal Family Systems, Second Edition, now on Chapter 6, on the role of the IFS therapist. And so as in all these chapters, I'm just summarizing and putting into different words the concepts from the chapter. If there's anything that I happen to add, I'll mention that it's my own contribution. But this is the work of Richard Schwartz and Martha Sweezy. Now, the IFS model emphasizes that each client has all the inner resources he or she needs in order to be healthy and well. That's an assumption that the IFS model makes. And that parts, when they struggle, are constrained by systemic imbalances and burdens. When a distressed client comes into our offices, their protectors, those managers and firefighters, those protectors need to know that the therapist is safe and trustworthy before they're going to be willing to experiment with new ways of being, with new ways of acting. And so the therapist brings the confidence, the therapist brings the compassion to the therapeutic space to help with those issues of safety and trustworthiness. One of the ways we do that is that the therapist does not pathologize the actions of the client, but understands them as parts attempts to protect and to cope, even when those behaviors may be pretty clearly maladaptive. Now, when there are transferences and countertransferences, those are trailheads in IFS that signal that parts need help. When a client is in self, working with her system, able to connect in a various ways with her protectors, able to reach out to exiles and so forth, that client actually has much less dependency on the therapist than a client who is blended. When we're working in direct access, when the therapist self is working directly with the client's parts, then there's greater client dependency. That's often the case when there has been complex trauma or neglect or when there just hasn't been the types of relational experiences that parts have needed to feel safe. So initially, the client is going to rely on the therapist self in these kinds of situations. The therapist self then becomes the initial internal attachment figure for the client's parts. That is a temporary situation though. That should last only until the client self is unblended enough to take over the role of governing the client's own system. When that begins to happen, the therapist self backs off so that the client self can lead the client's own system. When we as therapists are doing direct access, Martha and Dick are really clear about this, it's more demanding on us. The therapist when doing direct access with a client's part, is exposed to much more direct expectations, demands, and transferences. It can be rougher sailing in terms of the intensity because the experience of the client is not buffered by the client's self. The client is likely going to be speaking from parts rather than for parts. As IFS therapists, we trust in the client's innate abilities to see their predicaments in useful ways and to act effectively once those burdens are released. And that happens even after unblending, even before there's any unburdening, even before there's any healing. If there can just be unblending, 
all kinds of wonderful things are now possible. Because we trust in those innate abilities that the client has, we rarely offer as therapists interpretations, advice, reframes, or directives regarding problems. And this really differentiates IFS from so many other therapeutic modalities. I came from a very psychodynamic background prior to becoming an IFS therapist, where we often offered interpretations. Not so much advice. Now, that would be more like counseling, right? A lot of times in different kinds of counseling models, advice giving is more of a prominent feature. Reframes, right? Makes me think of cognitive behavioral therapy, the first therapeutic model I was trained in directives. We don't we don't do that in IFS. We trust in this process. It's a very process-oriented therapy. What we do is we validate, we explore with the client. We look to create space for the client's self because we trust that when that client's self emerges, when that unblending happens, all kinds of beautiful and wonderful things, many of which we could not imagine because we just don't know as therapists, many good things are going to happen. We communicate patience and respect for, quote, resistance, end quote, understanding it to be an attempt to protect. It's not something to be just plowed through or overcome or evaded or pierced. It's something to be understood as a way that protectors of the client are trying to carry out some good intention for the client. We work with it very differently. We first really try to understand what's driving the quote resistance, end quote, and then offer alternatives that parts might find much more attractive, new ways of operating without taking away the old ones. We support the risks that clients take and we accept their parts as they are. We collaboratively strategize with our clients about how to handle difficult relationships and predicaments, really helping them walk through their options and fostering a self-led understanding of how best to, to, to think about their situations differently and how best to try out new behaviors, behaviors that may be more, more helpful to them. We also celebrate our clients' successes with them. We don't take credit for our clients' successes because in an IFS therapy, the client self is usually the primary therapist. And the IFS therapist also takes responsibility for his or her own parts. When our parts get in the way, when our parts are causing a problem, when our parts are polarizing with some part of the client, we speak up, we take responsibility for that, we acknowledge that. It's great modeling for clients. It makes the therapy much more human, much more warm, much more intimate, much more real when clients also understand that, hey, we've got parts. Our parts as therapists can get in the way as well. So what we're doing is the therapist and the client, we're collaborating together to harmonize the client's inner system and the client's relationship with the external world. In IFS, the primary attachment figure for the client is the client's self. That's what IFS focuses on. You can even see this in the title of some of Dick Schwartz's other books, like you are the one you've been waiting for, right? There's this idea that we need to have these solid relationships within ourselves, between our parts and ourselves. Dick and Martha talk about how there's no substitute for the IFS therapist to be aware of his or her own system. We IFS therapists, we need to be monitoring. We need to be in regular communication during our therapy hours with our clients about what's happening within us. 
there is this really valuable list of signs that a therapist may be blended with a part. Let's go through those, right? If a therapist, if you as a therapist is, you know, are experiencing negative critical thoughts about a client, especially if they feel unfair, that's a sign that you might be blended. Noticing a judgmental tone in our voice, beginning to resent clients, dreading clients showing up. Oh, ooh, we start to feel that. That may be a part of us that's coming up. Becoming impatient with clients, losing that sense of patience, becoming professionally detached or distant with our clients. We notice that we're withdrawing, that we're disconnecting emotionally. We're not engaging with them in a way that would be good in their therapy. Or if we become defensive, if we become self-justifying in some way, or if we attempt to control our clients, we start to use techniques to influence them, especially techniques that are not attuned to their parts, then that's a sign that we are not in self ourselves. Something's going on within us that leads us to want to control this client. If we find that we're crossing appropriate boundaries, that's a big red warning flag. If we're pulled to try to rescue clients, if we're, if we're thinking that we have to make everything better for our clients. And a last one here is if we're feeling really wounded by a client, that's also a sign that we're likely to have been blended. Now, one thing I want to say is that therapist blending, blending with our own parts as therapists, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. And the therapist should just be aware of that, about how human that is. We want to be monitoring our own actions. We want to acknowledge when our actions have been getting in the way of therapy with our client, if that's appropriate. Again, we want to, if we want to acknowledge that, if we want to bring that into the therapy, we want to monitor if that's what the client needs right now, instead of maybe what one of our parts desires. It's good modeling when we do that. It's an opportunity to repair the therapeutic alliance if it's been, if it's been compromised in some way. It also helps the client's parts to see how conflicts can be resolved. Sometimes it's really helpful to clients for IFS therapists to talk about what's going on within their own systems in the therapy. This is similar to some of Lorna Benjamin's interpersonal therapeutic techniques. Brings the part-to-part -part dynamic into the interpersonal field. So if a part of me is getting activated by a client, I'm betting at some level the client is picking up on that. How they're construing it, how they understand that, we don't really know. It could be in a variety of different ways. It could be in different ways across different parts. But there's a great freedom in knowing that we can handle these interpersonal polarizations or these conflicts within the therapeutic relationship. With We can talk about them. We can understand them systemically and not just within the client system, but also within the therapist's as it's appropriate, right? Again, we want to be monitoring as to whether I'm really doing this for me because it's part-driven and I have agenda. I want to be known by my client or something like that versus something that really would be helpful to the client. If we're uncertain, it's great to be honest about that, right? I don't know if a part of me just reacted. I don't know what happened inside me just now. If you say that as a therapist, that can be really reassuring to many clients because then to be uncertain or to be humble about what we know and what we don't, 
It seems like now there's a permission, a space for that within the therapy. So kinds of blended therapist parts and what they do in therapy. This is such a precious list. I like it so much, especially for beginning IFS therapists to be kind of aware of what's happening within their own parts. Striving manager parts within therapists. They have difficulty bearing weakness and vulnerability. When they see weakness and vulnerability, they can get directive, they can get controlling both toward the therapist parts and toward the client parts. And they can be very critical of both the client and the therapist. Next one, approval-seeking managers. Richard and, and Martha tell us that they seek idealization from the client. We want to be idealized by the client. That's what these parts, they have an agenda towards being idealized. They have an agenda to seek dependency from the client. They need to be liked. They need to be seen as effective. They need to have those supplies coming in from the client's parts. Pessimistic managers, they can say, you know what? I'm going to give up on this client. Or they have a propensity to blame the client for something that's going on within the therapy. Not a lot of hope with pessimistic managers. They're, they they are trying to protect through reducing expectations. Caregiving managers, these are the ones that want to ride in and rescue. They have a need to be needed by the client. And they often don't want to be with clients who are upset. That can be really uncomfortable for caregiving manager parts of therapists. Angry managers that therapists have can generate impatience, a sense of resentment that can be clearly picked up, especially by client parts that are tuned into those frequencies. Evaluating manager parts of therapists, when those get activated, there can be lots of criticism, both of the therapist himself or herself or of the client be lots of judging. This can undermine curiosity. Sensitive, fearful managers. These are parts of the therapist that over-identify with clients' pain. They don't recognize clear boundaries between where the therapist ends and where the client begins. So these parts can get into feeling overly responsible for making everything okay not just in the therapeutic relationship, but in the client's life and in the client's system as well. That sense of hyper-responsibility can also lead to efforts to control situations. The critical thing in all of this is that the therapist be self-led, that the therapist unblend as needed in order to be in a place of self and that have that recollection to have the access to those eight C's. Our most, quote, difficult, end quote, clients are our most helpful TOR mentors. TOR mentors. They're the ones that get under our skin. They're the ones that activate things within our own systems and they're gifts to us. And that whole activation is a gift to us because it helps, it, it helps us to understand more clearly what we need to work on within our own systems so that when things get a little more stressful, we can maintain that sense of recollection, that sense of being in self. And as a sort of final note on this chapter, Richard and Martha talk about how there are times for the therapist to be more directive about their client's parts. 
when there is sort of these dangerous addictions or when there is this narcissism and grandiosity that really can be undermining the client's internal relationships and their relationships and their external systems, there may be times for there to be some more direction about that. Now, in my experience, you really want to make sure that that's coming from a place of the therapist's self. Again, that distinction between am I acting out of a part as a therapist versus am I acting out of self really is a critical distinction to make when you're thinking about possibly becoming more directive around some of these more serious behaviors. Well, that's it. I am happy to have been with you for this discussion of Chapter 6 on the role of the IFS therapist, and I look forward to being with you in our next chapter.